Hello to football supporters around the world, and especially here in Thailand, welcome to the Portcast Podcast, with news, views, and profiles of the supporters of Thai Port FC, or as they say in Thai, Tarua FC. And now, here's your host, arguably the most knowledgeable Port FC supporter, this side of Janet the Hutt, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Welcome to the podcast. I think we're on episode, well, 10 of the latest series, 20 in total now. And I am joined for the second time in the podcast by Gian. So welcome, Gian. Hello, thanks for having me. And we are here to go over, again, a, a topic which has been all over the news recently. Gian uh, sent me a message and said, right, we've got a sort out all that's been going on with Wong Tong. We've been saying one thing on the podcast. They've been saying something else on the Talao podcast. <laughs> the Wong Tong podcast. Oh. And uh, so so what was there anything in particular in the way we discussed the current Wong Tong situation that you disagreed with? Uh, nothing was incorrect. But I'm basically going to like mention some additional facts that I picked up mostly from Grant uh, as to explain what's going on and then I'd also like to come and explain why Myung Tong fans thought the way they did and why some still do think it's an intentional strategy like, I agree with you it's not but I'd like to like point out like why some fans would think it is and what sort of deniability schemes that they made up to convince themselves that it's that's the case um, and which I bought into for a while until I realized it was going south uh and then lastly, just about the academy a bit, like, does this, does it work? And what do I think of the actual academy itself? And is it going to be successful? That's about it. See, this is great for the podcast. We're talking conspiracy theories. Every successful podcast talks about conspiracy theories. So oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what Yeah, we're there's one for. there too as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we've both kind of agreed really on Twitter in the last uh, few days about what is going on at Wong Tong. So why don't I let you explain what you think um, What you think is going on with regards to, is it strategy, is it, mm. um, is it more Reaction nefarious? To... Than oh, that? nefarious. Is I don't know about nefarious. Bit. I'm not quite sure. Um, can I plug an article I wrote for the Asian game? Uh, sure, can I put that we, link we'll link it below. Yeah, yeah which pretty much, like I, I sort through what's happening at Wong Tong and basically the facts and what to make of them. But I don't think you outlined kind of what we've been talking about more recently in that yeah. article. So last time, uh, well, the facts straight, we've sold pretty much, we've sold pretty much everybody and most recently it was Sarat and Adison, which restarted the whole conversation about whether Mung Tong are in real financial trouble or what's going on. So in the last podcast, you know, you and James brought up the idea that there's two explanations or really one which can be branched into two, which is the club was making large losses, which were sustainable under a big SCG contract. Exactly. But yeah. now the SCG are pulling money out. That's no longer sustainable. And two, the owners were taking money out of the club, which was profitable at SCG sponsorship rates. And now SCG have cut the sponsorship, and that's gone yeah. down. So they are have to cut to keep their own level of 
profit making from the club. Yeah. So either in the first scenario, they were putting a bit of money into the club and now it's just too much. And under the second one, they're just being greedy and and yeah. siphoning money out of the club. I'm not going to say which one I think. Yeah, but sure. I'll just give some facts to yeah. put in there. Okay. So th- there was up till now there was no actual evidence that SCG had reduced their sponsorship because there's no numbers and figures coming out of the thing. So I think up until the selling of Sarat and Addison, Muang Tong fans were able to convince themselves that it was not a reaction or it was not something going on. It was actually a intentional strategy. So uh, Muang Tong signed a 10-year deal with SCG in 2017 after they won the league. And it was a big deal at the time. I don't remember. I don't know how much it was, but it was a big deal at the time. But since 2017, what's happened? Port have been spending a lot of money. Chiang Rai has been spending a lot of money. Uh, BU stepped up as well in that field. And there's been a massive price inflation from 2016 to now. right? So while the, 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 the tip-top transfer remains 50 million Tanabun, everything below that, but that started, that was after the deal was been agreed. So that sort of rescaled every single transfer po- uh, fee to go up. So that's still the highest fee paid for a Thai player? Yes. Interesting. Okay. I'm pretty sure it is. Hmm. But I, I think you guys paid more for Boscovich or was Boscovich free? Oh, we definitely paid more for Boscovich yeah. and Heberty. <laughs> Heberty as well. Heberty with a loan fee is in that same range for yeah. a loan fee. But that those transfers basically created a whole new spectrum for, okay, this is now the new range of prices that you're going to have to be able to pay if you want to be a top team. Sure. So if you're sitting on an SCG thing, which is going, which is not going to increase, and it's a, it's a flat rate, and you see, okay, we are not going to spend, and we're d- dropping down in the league, right? So from coming first, second, now their average is fourth, fifth, you know? So we can no longer compete with the top teams for money if our money is fixed and their money is flexible because their owners are spending money from their own pockets and SMM is not. So then they realize, why not turn to youth players with a higher resale value as a means to remain competitive if it takes a lull of a year or two and then it picks up later on. Now, under that paradigm, you can explain away a few things, right? Like, oh, why did Heberty go to direct rival? Uh, you know, maybe he doesn't have the work grade Gamma wants, you know, making up stuff like that. You know. well, or, why think... did Shapui go? Because you have Sarat in the same similar position, you have Weiratev who's young, you could play him there. There's, there's ways of explaining it away, sort of, you know, players. Um, but the, the main, like, hole in that theory, which fans never came to, you know, bridge, which was, why didn't you realize that in 2018 then? Yeah, sure. Which is when, when you sacked Tochta one, why didn't you sit and think, okay, we're going to not sack Tochta one because he's the best person to develop these young players, right? Because the point of appointing Gamma was, oh, Gamma's good with young players. That's why they appointed him. But also, he's the most successful t- coach in the history of the Thai League. So maybe that's why you appointed him as well. So it does seem like something that just happened. And then if you look at the last year's foreign players, Gallo, Derley. Obansok could not have been on low wages, right? Gallo and Derley coming straight from um, the Portuguese league, the Portuguese first division, and Obansok being a former Korean international. Like, you've got to think those guys were They were definitely on, on pretty big yeah. wages. So th- the theory doesn't really make sense unless they really woke up one morning and were like, oh shit, we're going to change. But then it doesn't seem like that's an indulgent decision because you don't make it like that. You don't wake up one morning and change your entire... Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Using Hebity and Chapui as examples, I think 
both of those if we believe that Hebity was on as huge a wage as I've been led to believe that he's on. Um, that, that just makes financial sense. And it, even if you're not in a cripplingly bad situation, but you're just in a, in a situation where it makes sense to make smart financial moves, yeah. then I don't think they can be particularly blamed for, for letting go of Hebity, who was on mad money, and letting go of Chakwi, who was on more money than he's worth. Um, so... We will bring Shapui up later because I'm going to make a point about Shapui <laughs> later. Someone needs to defend him on this podcast, so we'll okay. bring him up later. Fair enough. Yes. Yeah. So I don't think those two in particular make it make it seem as though Mung um, Tong are up to something. But you've got to look at it in balance, and it goes all the way back, as we said on the last one, to kind of 2017. You know, to the season from after you won and you just look at the balance in the money that's gone out and the money that's gone in so even when Wong Tong spend money on a player this year they've spent decent money on uh, Mizeev right on yes. the see, Uzbek Uzbekistan, Uzbek yeah. midfielder and but they're not actually spending money on him they've saved money on someone else and they're putting a, a portion of that back in yeah Right, so they're always saving money. Even when they spend money, they're saving money because they, they will only spend after they've offloaded certain yeah, players. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the strategy. It's just it's make a certain amount on sales, save money on wages, and then spend a lesser amount bringing in players and, uh, and less on wages as well. And that's been going on for years and years and years. And it, yes. this is just a continuation of it. On a larger but scale. It's for, but it's definitely a larger scale. And it's got to the point now where everyone's picked up on it. And because no one, no senior players are left. As long as you have senior players in the team, no one's noticing. I when think you that, wake up one morning and you have only 23-year-olds, someone's going to notice. Exactly. And, yeah. and that one picture really illustrated it perfectly, where they they had the 2016 team who'd won yeah, the league yeah. and then they just blacked out all the players who, who had left from that team. And at a certain point, after Addison left, it was everyone. <laughs> yeah. Every single player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is a high turnover rate in general in Thai football, but this is every single player and it was only four years ago. But I'm trying to figure Even out... Even Port have got several players from 2016. I'm trying to figure out why the Saraj one... Why Sarach and Alisson broke the dam? Because of the last ones? Or because something about them? Because I think selling Alisson on its own made sense. Milksong have a right back named uh, Pecharat, who was at West Ham's U19 team when he was in uh, school in England. Okay. West Ham's U19 team. So he's a right back, come centre back. Good with his feet. Stronger. So he's exactly Alisson's type, but more higher potential. So that one makes sense. He was actually at Port on trial, and we rejected him. Petrovat, really? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's yeah, I've got, I've got old, um, old transfer talk of me for, at first not knowing who he was, and then identifying him, and uh, we never really saw much of him. I guess we just thought he was rubbish and sent him back to you lot. And be like, you thought Anon was rubbish. I don't think they're, you know. Sure, we're not yeah. the best judges of talent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on Heberty, what I heard was he was on less than the astronomical fee of like 2 million. And then Jaja came on 1.7. And then Heberty was like, hell no, man. That, 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 that guy can't be any more than me. Look at him, you know. And then everyone was like, oh, I guess Heberty's right. And then they gave him 2 million. They mm. doubled the salary after Jaja came. It was what I've heard. But I don't know how true that okay. is. Yeah. Um, 
now that we have zero senior players, it's fairly clear that this isn't something they've been planning because you won't find yourself in a situation where there's no senior players in your team at all. Uh, so some more facts because I think number one and two, one of those who are either accurate now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think yeah. just just before you get into that, we did mention last time about the SCG sponsorship, but there is more to this story. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about? Not just the SCG sponsorship money, which has been reduced, yeah, but but something to do with SMM as well. Yeah. So which... people don't know that SCG do not own Mung Tong. Like, right. Most people ask me, like, that's the most common misconception. It's actually SCG do not own Mung Tong. Siam Sport own Mung Tong, right? The same way Singh does not technically own Chiang Rai, Mititia Pirat owns Chiang Rai. So uh, SMM. They are like the, the kind of title sponsors, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And they gave a ridiculous amount of money to SMM and uh, Rawi Lotong. But Rawi Lotong and his family are the owners, SMM. Sam Sport Syndicate. Uh, so they used to be in charge of marketing the Thai League. And they had a deal with True. But once the current president of the FA came in, that contract uh, was voided. And there were some complications with the changing of the leadership in the FA. But the point is, SMM lost a fair amount of money from that. Some have put that, the value of the contract, which they lost at 150 million baht. Okay. So, now they no longer have that contract. They just bought the rights to stream the J League. I don't know how that plays into it. But the point is, SMM were in a bad position. And if Mung Tong is part of their revenue streams, and they need to take money from Mung Tong to fund their other thing. I'm not saying that that's what they do, but maybe... Yeah, well, that's just it's one of the possibilities, plausible. as yeah. we were saying. E- either they were making money off Mung Tong or losing money on it. Either way, them having financial struggles yeah. besides Mung Tong yes. is relevant to Mung Tong's situation because yes. they're all part of the same portfolio, I suppose. Yeah. Or it could even be both. It could even be SMM. Because SMM is the only one we know as a fact, right? We know how the contract worth this much. This contract was voided. We can fill in the dots. They've lost that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with SCG we don't know because it's not published sure but, yeah but I mean certainly this this was announced and was going on uh, SCG deciding to withdraw their money before the COVID situation they they seem like a company that probably would have been quite badly affected by it obviously that's just speculation but mm. yeah I, I can't see things improving or changing anytime in the near future do, do you think that's likely? I don't think there'll be a new sponsor, so I don't think it'll change radically. I think the most that Mutan can hope for is a stabilization. I mean, there's no, no, nothing of value left to sell, but the problem would be then, like, a player has one good year and then you sell them. Is this that re- would be the problem. If, you, as long as you have a, if we've reached the bottom and now it's stable, that's not, it, it's not the end of the world. It's interesting to me that, I mean, the way a sponsorship is supposed to work is that the company that that spends X amount of money sponsoring a team, in theory, is going to get that money back in terms of um, not not in kind of visible, immediate ways. Yes. But it's supposed to be a financial investment. Yes. Right. And if they were paying so much money in sponsorship that they can cut it drastically and still no one else wants to replace them as sponsors of Montan. Mm. <laughs> Doesn't that indicate that they were paying an utterly ridiculous sum to begin with? Not more, more than Montan was worth. Not necessarily. Just because there are other reasons non-financial why a new sponsor wouldn't want to join or they wouldn't want to look for a new sponsor. Non-financial reasons. Because under Theory 3, which I had outlined earlier, 
like the amount SCG were giving Bung Tong did not allow them to sustain the same level of spending as even Bangkok United sure. or Port. Yeah. Although Bangkok United is a different case because they then sold afterwards to pay back the amount that they spent. But even Port. So, no, I don't think it's a ridiculous amount of money. I think Boyram probably earning more. That's what I would think. From sponsorship. From Chang, I would think so. I would guess so. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that other teams would be guess, making though, more. Should... Of course, yeah, we're just speculating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think it's interesting that the money can be reduced drastically and still they are still the main sponsors despite that. Yeah, but there may be, and that's what I think there is, non-financial ties of leverage which prevent Mung from looking for a new sponsor or wanting a new sponsor. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think is happening. Yeah, of course. We'll never be able oh, to yeah, know... Yeah the full goings on behind the scenes we'll never really understand what goes on we can only speculate about it which is obviously what we're doing mm-hmm. yeah so so we should really talk about the recent news as well that's developed in the in the hours and days since our last uh, kind of interactions on this and our, our latest podcasts mm-hmm. so yesterday there was a very big rumor that Akinit Panya one of the top up-and-coming stars in Thai football um, apparently Wong Tong put in a 55 million baht bid which as we were saying earlier would be a record yeah. fee paid for a Thai player yes. what was your impression on that offer? I think stunned silence for a few minutes and then afterwards realising that I don't think he's attainable and I think it's for a good round of press that's what I think the whole thing was for I think that if you're targeting this sort of caliber of player, even if you you can't get him, you're showing your fans that we have ambition, you know, and you can't come out and say we have ambition. It sort of sounds empty. Uh, if you if you position yourself like you are targeting high player, high value players, you're signaling to your fans that don't lose hope. That's why I think that, that's why I think Ekadit's thing was, and. From what I understand, uh, so I on the All Things Thai Football Twitter account, he quoted Mitty saying, he called me yesterday, or the, they, they called him, so Mung Tong called Ching Ra yesterday and talked about a deal and it had been rejected. Mm-hmm. So my question is, if you're releasing a story after you know the, the outcome of the transfer is going to be a rejection and you phrase it as Mung Tong have offered, not Mung Tong have been rebuffed or rejected. Sure. It sounds like and is there, you know, something going on with they knew it was going to be rejected when they put the announcement out? No, no way of knowing. But it does look like that's definitely what I'd speculate. <laughs> I'm not one hundred percent. I yeah, you might not want to. You might not want to take sides. I'm fine with that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely taking sides. I I a hundred percent think that that's what they're doing. That was my first impression. Yeah, and um, and I think most. Most non Wong Tong fans probably think the same thing. I, I think it's harder when you do support the club to see as as objectively as maybe you could. But yeah. Um, oh, but I, I can tell you it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, 100%. And it, it also gave Mitty a chance to come out and repeat the line of, he's not going anywhere in Thailand. We're going to still him abroad. And I think that that's still the. I, I, didn't, I wouldn't expect him to choose Mung Tong over Chiang Rai. No. Yeah. No. And obviously, I mean, we mentioned it earlier, maybe not explicitly, that. The owners of Wong Tong are a media company. This yes, is their yes. wheelhouse. This yes. is what they're good at. Yes. So they are the experts in setting the narrative and basically tricking 
the media and their fans into thinking that they're doing something which maybe, like you said, we can't be sure, but maybe they have no intention of doing. I, I don't think they do. I don't think they have any in- intention of signing Ekenit. One one thing which I thought was funny was I saw some people, um, a couple of Mungtung fans on Twitter, saying they thought 55 million was ridiculously expensive. For Ekenit? I, I didn't think so. No, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. 55 million is reasonable for Ekenit. Yeah. And and I still wouldn't expect Chang Rai to accept it. Yeah, like I thought. I think that's an undervalue because he, for me, he's one of the top, um, one of the top three young players mm-hmm. in Thailand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I don't know how I rate him overall, but I think the the brothers at Buiram and Ekinet, I I think are the kind of yeah. the top young players. If Tanabun was fifty million back then, and the inflation has been going on since then, there's no way I can fifty five million. And this kid's that. twenty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's worth that for me. And he's and the thing about Ekin is he's done it at so many different levels. Like he's he's done it at T four, T three, T two, T one, national team. He's yep. he's the real deal. Uh, fifty five million is a, not enough for to sign Ekin. I agree with that. I agree, yeah. It's it's an interesting number, fifty five, because the widely um known number I, I don't know if the fees are actually disclosed but it's widely thought that they spent or that Montong received 20 million for Addison and 30 million for Sarach so the 55 number we're saying oh we're, mm. we're just putting in a little extra we're spending we're spending money but would you would you really give up two experienced players for a 20 year old like if you were running a club and you were serious about that would you really give up two experienced players for a 20 year old I, well, I wouldn't do that I don't think anyone would do that well you're saying in principle. I mean, in but with, would, with regards to these specific yes. players, would I give up Addison and Sarach for Ekinit? Hell yeah! Mm. Damn right I would. I don't know if I would. I would sell Addison just and take the money and then put it into a, another young player of the same value, but I wouldn't sell Sarach for him because Sarach is the captain. And, you too. and also, I think that if you signed him, it would raise question as to why... You rush Sarat out so fast. If you were not in a dire financial position, you'd have to wonder: like, is was it really worth pushing out your captain for a twenty-year-old player? Even however yeah. good he is, like, I, I guess I have to see it in the kind of context of if Port did it to Sivakorn. Yes, because that's Sivakorn and Nitipong. Let's say or Dola, Dola and Sivakorn. You sell them both for Ekinet. Would you do that? No, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's probably the same situation. Yeah, it's identical. Yeah, so that's 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 what I was talking about before yeah, about yeah, how yeah. it's hard to be objective about your own team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so that's identical. yeah, I can understand your position on that. But then, but then, like I said, I would definitely take Ekinit for those two, hundred mm-hmm. percent. So um, since the Ekinit rumor, I mean, we're going on very recent stuff that we've we've only seen headlines pop up in the last uh, few hours, but. Um, Jaronsak from Samut Prakan City has been rumoured at 35 million. What was your first impression about that rumour? That one makes a bit more sense. Even though I don't see the club spending 35 million, it makes sense because he's a right wing back. He was a right wing back under Gamma at the U23s and under uh, Murayama, the previous Samut Prakan City coach. And since he came back from the U23 tournament under the new coach, Ishii, he's been a right winger. And he's had to do more work on the ball, more work inside. And he's not necessarily equipped for that. He, he prefers to just be tugging the touchline and getting crosses in. And Mutong need a right attacking right back because maybe the reason you didn't think Petrat was good because you were looking for an attacking right back. Petrat is not, he never gets in the opponent's half. 
That's not what he's meant to do. Petrat's a um, defensive right back slash right center back. Marathon don't even have an attacking right right back. So they have Jesse Curran who's on loan at Udon, and you can't we can't register him because he's yeah he hasn't gained Filipino citizenship yeah. yet. So a right wing back is desperately needed. Uh, Gama likes Jorunsa because he played him at one of the tournaments as a right wing back, and he wants to change position under and he doesn't work in his current team. It makes, it makes more, more. It sense. makes more sense. The question is, can we just kind of throw it in the same basket? In the sense of, um, they're again they're saying they're spending money, but they don't spend. They don't, don't intend to spend it. For me, I'm quite happy to put it in that basket. I just say it's almost certainly nonsense because I don't think. <laughs> and actually, um, it's funny what we were saying before about aching it. Now, I would not swap Jaron Sack for Sarach because they're basically the same. They say 30, 35 million. We yes. don't we don't know what the exact number is yeah. anyway. So. Um, yeah, no. I would keep Sarach over 30 mil- 35 million on Jaronsak. I think that's that yeah. would be massively overpaying. He hasn't achieved anywhere near what Akenitz achieved. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's a ridiculous amount for him. Yeah. And why why would Montong, if they are trying to, to run the club shrewdly, um, why would they spend thirty five million on a player who I don't think many people would would think is worth that number? And again, here's the the point: surely you have a player in the academy to cover that position. Surely you have somebody in the academy you can call upon, which segues into the academy we wanted to talk about. Sure, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. We had a, we had. I mean, Grant, um, who was on uh, Talal's podcast with you before, yeah, yeah. Um, seems to be fantastically knowledgeable about the Mung Tong yeah. Academy. He really seems to know what's going on. Yeah. And he said that they have roughly, what was it, 100, 100 senior, players. senior players. And in your estimation, so before COVID, how many of those salaries were Mung Tong paying? Right. So the 100 senior players, let's say 25 are in Mung Tong's first team that are actually mm-hmm. going to be used. Yeah. 25 are in Udon, Tan, Udon Tani FC. 25 are in Bangpa and Utia and T3. And 25 are in T4. That's before we count Mungtong B. Unless that does count Mungtong B. I'm not so sure whether the 100 counts Mungtong B or not. Okay. It might, it might not. That would make it 125 if you count Mung, if it wasn't inclusive of Mungtong B. I think it probably includes Mungtong B. Yeah, so you have, you have 25 and T4. 25 and T3, yeah. So, on average, what do we think the T2, T3 and T4 players are earning? But... but um, are Mung Tong paying their salaries to start with? I mean, I they're would, on loan at Udon. Are Udon paying their salaries? Uh, I would or... think it's a split, but yeah. just because it's tough math. Let's just say, on average, a player earns 40k a month, right? Yeah. Across all those levels, right? My only frame of reference is a club in T3 that I know that pays 10k to newly academy graduates. I don't okay. think Mung Tong will pay that. No. Let's say between all the le- different levels, excluding the first 25 that you actually use, 75. Uh, times 40k I, I, I did the math coming about 3 million baht a month uh, so yeah 3 million baht a month you sell 3 senior players you've covered your cost of your academy yep right which in theory is the case excluding the cost of housing them and other things that the actual salaries would cost 3 million baht a month so maybe that also leads to the idea that money is moving around elsewhere but but also Mong Tong is getting 
some utility from some of these players. Oh, yes. I mean, your current squad, I haven't been through to look at how many homegrown players you currently have on your book. Pretty much all of them. Pretty much the whole, right. whole it, team. Right. It's yeah. a lot of them. And yeah. and that, you know, having players is, is worth money. Yeah. So, you know, having players who are starting games in T1, I'm happy. some of them are performing well, I'm, that's worth money. I'm really happy that Militong spent three million baht a month on youth development. And I, I, there's no, there's, if you have the money, there's never too much you can spend on youth development. Because it's good for the club, it's good for them individually. You know, it's good for the country as a whole that you have more young players coming up in a high standard. So, yeah, that, I'm happy with that. But what I'm not convinced about, and I hope to be proven wrong, I hope I'm proven wrong by Tong this year, but I just think intuitively it doesn't make, it's not a good way to develop young players. Like, it's a bit of a factory line of production where you enter at a certain age and you go through all the steps. So you go from the T4, B team, T3, T2, and by the time you get to the first team, you're 23 years old. Yeah, it's very late, isn't it? Yeah, now just compare, a perfect example is compare Watanagon at left back to your guys, to your Patton, Kevin, right? Watanagon is excellent at doing exactly one thing, which is he's quick and he has an amazing left foot, right? I'm pretty sure, I mean, I think he's an incredible crosser of the ball. And I'm sure, like, the main outlet for Mung Tong will be deep crosses to Derle, direct ball, head in, you know. That's what I think will be a main access. I think Watanagon will rack up good numbers this year if he plays. Um, unless Sato comes back. But either one, you know. I think Watanagon will be a good player. But he's going to have a hard time catching up to Datura Pat and Kevin. Kevin maybe will exclude because he was trained in Europe. But... Jatura Patton was the first team player at China at 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, because Dennis Amato saw him and was like, okay, we need a left back. We're going to fit you in a team. We're going to iron out your game and you're going to play with the senior players in us and develop a style for yourself at a young age. And that will serve you very well. By the time you're 23, you're going to be refined in how, what kind of player you are. He's 21 now, isn't he? Something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. So by the time in two years' time, if he got game time, if he didn't move to Port, because you really, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah, this is all yeah, this is all theory. But so Port he's ruined not play. <laughs> Port ruined his career. But if he hadn't ruined his career going to Port, if he still moves now, hopefully he gets a loan deal somewhere. Yeah. In two years' time, he'll be an incredibly all-rounded player. Whereas Watanakon is still a raw talent. If Watanakon was 18 years old and you know playing the way he was, I I would be unashamed to go around yelling next year a ton, next year a ton. I'd be unashamed to do that, right? But some, I haven't seen enough of him to know some, that my instinct is that you guys are getting very excited some, over something that I wouldn't. <laughs> some some people now think he can fill the role tears I did for Mung Tong. And like, it's a bit late to be a raw talent at 22. It's yeah. a bit late. You can't be... Like, if you were a good crosser and a quick person at 19 and then you worked on the rest of your game to get to where you are at 22. But I, I feel like Mung Tong's system designs players to be pieces in a puzzle, not complete holes of themselves until they get to 22 and then it's too late to develop the complete hole and reach a high level. So what's in a con? Could... So almost as if you're... Well, the, the club is developing assets rather than players. In a sense, in a sense, yes. And for all I know, what's in a con? And I think he can be, you know, Militong's first choice left back for a decade and he can be very helpful for the club and he can help the club achieve a lot. But is he going to catch up to somebody who has a two-year head start on him? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to catch up to Turapat, who has a two-year head start. I like where you're going just in, in the sense that I think very young players should get more of an opportunity. Yes. Like, I really enjoy... I mean, just as a fan, I really enjoy seeing really raw talents 
just being allowed to have a go. Mm-hmm. Like watching Supernut when he first started, it was a bit ridiculous. Like he yeah. was, he was clearly not really a professional footballer, but he was brilliant. Yeah. He was so exciting to watch. And that just that unpredictability that you get with young players yeah. is an asset when it when it like when you're playing against seasoned professional footballers who are used to players, you know, doing what professional footballers are supposed to do, and then some idiot kid turns up and is doing all the wrong things and confusing everyone. I love that kind of yeah. stuff. And and like you said, Kevin, he started at Ratchaburi at eighteen, at 18 maybe? Yeah. yeah. First team. Playing every game, yeah, and, under he's, and a he good just coach. came on and he just did his thing. And I don't think he was particularly coached in what he was doing. Like certainly, he would he would have been well coached in Sweden. Um, in Sweden, yeah. but coming here, he's just doing whatever he wants, and, and it's was brilliant. Brilliant, he yeah. was incredible to watch. And now, if Watanakon was his age, eighteen, and playing, then I, you know, okay, this is interesting, this is exciting. But I think Meng Tong don't take a risk on a young player like that, which is going to sound ridiculous because you know everyone because your team is full of young players <laughs> they're all young but they're all old young players they're yes. not young young players and this yeah. is the point that they're under 23 under fans, when i make this point some of them are like but we are a young team like you're a old young team we're all we're all 23 24 and the will not get a guy who is 19 or 18 and i hope they do i hope someone's listening you know but they hope someone realizes that Okay, let's get an 18-year-old to fill a right-back slot. No time to get an 18-year-old and put him in there. But no, they have to go to T4 first, then T3, then T2, then maybe they can get into T1. And yeah, it's not so I, work. I, I see exactly what you're getting at. It's basically that your, your conveyor belt always means that there's someone ahead of the 18-year-old. Yes, there's no... Whether or not that player is necessarily better than the 18-year-old, exactly. there's always a 21-year-old and in Buiram front. And Buiram can tell at 18, like, okay, we're going to yes. put attention on uh, Supernat or Irfan, the, the centre mid. You yeah. Know. yeah, yeah, they, they can tell. And then, then those players at 18, like, I, I wasn't watching, but Grant you know, knows everything about Thai youth football, not just Mungtong. He was like... If you watch Irfan in that U19 team with everybody else, Irfan is a different level to all the other 19-year-olds in the team because they promoted him. Um, and look at the exact, prime example is in Myung-Tong. Look at Patrapon. Patrapon is the only single exception to that rule because he played his first game under Kerchic at 18 or 19 years old at okay. centre-back. He is the only exception. At centre-back? Centre-back. Okay. At centre-back. Yeah. He was supposed to make his debut. Hold on. How old is he now? This is June. He was supposed to make his debut on this day two years ago against Port. Okay. June 9th against Port. Kurchich had come out and said, we're going to play Patrapun tomorrow. And then they put Lee Ho at center back to confuse you. <laughs> you hadn't been paying attention, Strategy. but that was the plan. He was supposed to make his debut two years ago today. <laughs> that dude is thinking way too fucking yes. much. <laughs> That's he ridiculous. Said, he said to Mr. Romery, Steve Romery and me, he said, okay, we're going to play Patrapun tomorrow. And that's then, so funny. They have overestimated us so much and then with they put that. And they put out Lee Ho. Oh, that's cute. But yeah, <laughs> I think he played in the League Cup earlier, or around that time. Similar, this time two years ago in the League Cup, he made his debut. And he was really good. Mm. And he was the best player on the pitch. In the League Cup game, and I even asked Kerchich who was your which young player impressed you the most. He says Patrapon impresses me the most. So Kerchich looked in the academy and said, "This guy is the player that I want to yeah. promote." He looked for a specific, like specific yes. skills, yes, rather than who is the next off the conveyor belt. Yes, yeah. And if Gamma does that, then I think th- this could work. If you're well, looking at the if, 18, 19 if Gamma's so gonna you're... gonna be there. Uh-huh. <laughs> months who yeah. knows if you're looking like okay we need a Jurun Sak-esque player who's 18 in our academy get it 
But right now, we sent three goalkeepers to Bangpin UCFC, 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old. The youngest one is Tira Wood, who is a Fox Hunt player, Leicester player. If he's getting benched for the two older guys older than him, and he's not getting game time in T3, what's he going to do in T1? I'd be keeping a, a lot of this T1. Is, you know, it's ridiculous. A lot of this is just hilarious to hear as a Port fan, because, I mean, it, the, the general dynamic at the moment between Port and Wong Tong is obviously that Port have tons of money Mung Tong have no money we're doing well you guys are we're, we're kind of overperforming you guys are underperforming but the in reference to this youth dynamic it's completely the opposite like the fact that you're complaining about having too many good yeah. young players yeah, yeah. Where, where we haven't brought a single youth talent into our first team yeah. at all yeah. in years uh, I, I'm the kind of one of our kind of um from the sandpit who follows the youth players i know who most of the decent young ones are and we had one guy called chanayu who was the star of all of our youth teams and he played a little bit for thailand like the the thailand schoolboy national team and he got a game like he he was brought into the full squad he was the only player from the youth team to be brought into the full squad and given a squad number and and he didn't play all um all throughout last season mm. and then on the final day because it was a dead rubber he played against Samak Prakan he started and he was an absolute disaster on the day it was such a shame because he, he's quite a talented player he's not the best player in the country by any stretch but he's yeah. a very talented player and but he's the sort of player that really needs to um, he really needs to kind of hog the ball and he wants to take dead balls. He wants to be the guy delivering crosses. He wants to get one-on-one with players and beat them when he's playing in the youth team. And it just came to the big stage and he just folded. And every time he was in a promising situation, he just let someone else do the things that he was good at. And he just did simple things, which he's not particularly good at. You know, so, so he just he showed no confidence on the day. How old is he? Um, I think he's 20... I think he's 20 now. See, so at 20, like, to do... Yeah. yeah. Again. And, and he just... He looked like he'd never... He'd never played in a professional match. And that was the problem. He he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's obviously got loads of talent when you see him playing for the B team against T4 opposition. He's brilliant. He looks really flair. He, he's... You know, when there's a dead ball, he immediately goes and grabs it. But then you put him in the first team and he completely wilted. And there were a couple of moments. I embarrassed myself because I was... Hyping him up. Hyping him up. And there were a couple of moments where... He got into that situation, and I was saying, "Right, look, boys, now you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> He's going to do it this and time." He do it. And he co- he completely mishit one yeah. free kick that they did eventually allow him to take. Mm. But yeah, it, it was embarrassing. I mean, I'm just basically just making the point that the only decent player we've had completely flopped when he got a chance, and with us, that means he'll never be seen again. Clearly, yeah, and, and and we yeah we have no one. We have absolutely no one. You have, you're luxury. talking about having a hundred players. Yeah, too. There's too many. You know, we've like, <laughs> got too many good players. Our young players are blocking our young players. This is horrible. It's, yeah. <laughs> no, but like imagine for, for a second with Butternut on. If they realize, okay, um, Pierre Pat's gone, right? When he left in 2018 at the start. If they realize, then we have this young left back with an amazing left foot. Let's promote him when he's 19. Then Butternut today could be on the same level as. Tura Pat or Kevin 
but he's not because we have a conveyor belt, and it's it, it, it's as much as a, pro- a problem because it's, instead of it's not as much of a problem as not having any players who come it's through the, the same. System. It's the same problem in a different angle. It's not the same problem. You, yes. it's funny because you guys are complaining about this, but it's but you're just. I mean, you have to admit that compared to the rest of the league, you have a far better system. Oh, the best, yeah, the best system, the best academy. Besides Buriram, right? Or would you say it's better than Buriram? The best in terms Buriram of, has turned out better players in the last few years. The best in terms of volume of talent and yes. if you if you had an asset like assets the liabilities book, you'd have the biggest value academy. Okay. Probably, Most yeah. efficient Buriram. Yes. And if you if you were able to combine efficiency plus quantity, Mungtong would be incredible. But Mungtong only have the quantity part. And I hope they don't sign Jaren Sock and prove me wrong by promoting some kid I've never heard of and play him when we come back and he destroys everybody in the right flank. <laughs> that would be proving that there is actual quality and efficiency. But right now it's quantity. And what you'll get with quantity is they'll hit 23, they'll come in the first team, they'll be decent. They're not going to become excellent. They're going to be able to sustain Tong around 5th, 6th, 7th position. These guys. I think they will. I mean, I know you, you laughed at... You said you could get... I think that's years. hilarious. I... <laughs> I really do that's think that's not, ridiculous. No, that's a genuine, like, I've looked at the squad. I've looked at other squads. But the, but are six teams better than Tong, I think. Okay, but Maybe you know, seven, the thing is, you know so much more about Tong's young players than you do about other T1 squads. That's just the, just the yes. fact that you're a Tong fan yes. means that you are much more likely to overhype the, the young players you have and we're guilty of it as well yes. like with, with all of our uh, talking about Anon what happened to Anon he went to Korat and then they yeah. tried to turn him to right back and he's never played like maybe we were just wrong yeah and maybe you're just wrong about about yeah. these Mung Tong players being good enough to finish seventh I don't think that's that's definitely I can understand where you're coming from but I I don't agree at all okay, yeah <laughs> we'll we'll see where they finish we'll, we, we, we will we see do. where they we'll finish we can do. We can and do. Yeah, my. By the way, last time you were here, do you remember what I predicted? BG finished above Mungtong. <laughs> like we can just call that now, right? Yeah. That that's done. Yeah, <laughs> I was so right, and it's just like the the kind of process. I guess the process that has now accelerated in two opposite directions with those two clubs, like BG spending shit tons of money. And Wong Tong stopping spending money. It's just this whole COVID thing has just kind of Pushed given an further. early point in the season where things can accelerate in the opposite direction. Yeah, that's confirmed. And I've right. been proven hilariously right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I think that's a good note to end on with the Wong Tong um, yeah. debate. Is there anything else you want to mention? Well, on the same point about the academy, last point I'll make on it is you know how people mock Wong Tong for letting Pyridon, Nidipan, everybody go from their academy. Surya, Surya Shinapat, <laughs> Chayawat. The reason being, oh, they must be bad judges of talent. That's mm. completely wrong. You've got it in reverse. It's that the counterfactual is those players don't become the, the amazing players they do because yeah. they're in the conveyor belt. Yeah. Only when they got specific attention to become a certain player, then they became good. Mm. Yeah. So, so the fact that they left was what made them better. Good. Yeah, it's not yeah. that Mung Tong are bad. Mung Tong are great spotters of talent, but they're just bad at condensing the volume into... And and as we were saying yeah. before, just, just making that decision on certain players. This is the one we're going to prioritise, yes. and we're going to make this player into 
into this. Next time I meet Gamma, I'm going to tell him my idea. And he's going to be like, I can't do that. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to say. But I'm going to tell him my idea and see what happens. I know what he's going to say. He's going to say, you know? <laughs> you understand? You understand, Gian? <laughs> so, yeah. I think, that's, I think that's it for our first podcast. We are going to be back with a different topic in the next one. But for now, thank you very much, Gian. Yeah, thank you.